0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Blood and BloodandMud.com podcast, your sweary party, Bob of Rugby Knowledge with me, Lee Calvert, the editor of Blood and Mod, no, I'm not the editor of Blood and Mod, that sounds like <laughs> Blood a kinda... and mod.
2: Blood and Mod would be a vet like a sort of weird, like Brighton in the 1960s yeah. theme blog, a blog yeah. about the Who,
1: one of my yeah. favourite bands that could work, no, it's, yeah. I'm the editor Fighting
2: in of... Scooters.
1: I'm the editor of Blood and Mud, and and <laughs> him over there, you are.
2: I'm yeah, Josh Gardner of RugbyShirtWatch.com Unfortunately, I it's, to it's, say mine right.
1: It's unfortunately, it's what? only us two. Uh, so yeah, yeah. thank sorry, you for the nine percent of respondents who said on our poll they'd I'm like to right keep it as just us two. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and the rest of you, fuck you.
1: Yeah, fuck a lot of you who want more people on here. Yeah, as somebody, as both JB for the Egg Chasers and Cami Black said, this is our Brexit. <laughs> Never <laughs> let the people have a say. Uh, yeah,
2: look, look what you've done. You've ruined yeah. this.
1: In all seriousness, thank you for letting us know. And what it says to us is that you'd like to keep the two of us, but you'd like some guests on a fairly regular basis. And we'll probably have a regular guest slot, which kind of works for us anyway. Uh this is the Blood and Mud dot com podcast. You are it is available on ACAST on iTunes. You are very welcome. Thank you for coming over here. You can get in touch with the pod or it's me at Blood and Mud or Ann Lee at Blood and Mud.com or there's Blood and Mud dot com and there's a Facebook page and all that kind of stuff. And what about you, Josh? Uh
2: at Josh Gardner or at rugby Shit watch Um rugby shitwatch.com. Uh don't email me and uh
1: yeah, that's about it. Is that just a general rule, full stop for everybody? Yeah, don't worry, don't, don't I get enough I'm email, Not interested. Email. No. Okay then. Moving on for the, we've got a lot to talk about this week. We've got a big oh, geez, weekend. Oh have we? Have we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we start, I've got as usual. We're going to start with a player spotted. Oh. Jack Scott got in touch via email, and I like this one. He said earlier on this year, ju- just after the line squad was named, I saw Jack Nowell in Exeter top man. He looks like a top <laughs> man kind of bloke, does he? Oh,
2: a hundred percent.
1: Very skinny jeans and an oversized T-shirt.
2: hmm
1: Longer at the back than it is at the front. That kind of look, yeah. Something
2: that looks like it's been through the... Like it's got caught in the tumble dryer and it's got all those like, pre-made holes in it. Yes. And, yeah.
1: Uh, anyway, so we saw Jack Nolan next to the top, man. I didn't say anything to him, but he was stood outside of the changing rooms for quite some time. Whoever he was waiting for was taking quite a while to try on their clothes. It could have been Thomas Waldron trying to fit into skinny jeans. <laughs> I hope this is dull enough for you, he says. Yes, it is.
2: Yeah, 100%. Jack, no I mean,
1: idly standing around.
2: Yeah, it would have been borderline interesting if he'd have seen who had come out of the changing room that he was waiting for. But the fact that he didn't even bother to wait and find out is, yeah, stellar.
1: So there you go. That's the kind of level of dullness that we want. So, you know, get yours in at Blood and Mud or you can email lee at com. I don't know, maybe you've seen Steve Jomo struggling to drive the drinks dispenser touchpad in a pizza hut, something like that. Yeah.
2: Top CEO Joe, you know, at an M&S self-service checkout trying to use cash on a card till. You yes. know.
1: it's in the bloody bag type <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Bit of news this week.
2: Yes, uh, Andy, big news.
1: Andy Gould has taken up a position as patron of a charity for people wrongly accused of fixing the LIBOR interest rate.
2: Really? Wow. Yeah. Like, he's, just, he's playing to his strengths He's playing to
1: his strengths there, isn't he? Straight to his core market.
2: Yeah.
1: Shall we talk about what we learned from the weekend?
2: Yes. Big that's, weekend. Lots of things happened.
1: Lots of stuff happening. What did I learn? First thing I learned is that Henshaw is friend of the pod. Irish music <laughs> fan, Robbie Henshaw is a bit of a gobshite. I learned that at the weekend.
2: Well, that's the basically like the whole Sky Player Mike thing which they love. Yeah. It's it's sort of like the equivalent of like you know those articles that you see in local newspapers where they like try to crowbar like a local angle onto a global or national
1: news story you know that's basically wales online man, every day
2: yeah a man whose grandmother once visited clan Stefan, elected archbishop of canterbury you know that's that something sort of <laughs> um, but like let's find out what robbie henshaw had to say during that leinster scrum nothing he just shouted a bit because he had literally nothing to do because he was standing there and watching them push it's just oh it's pointless but as you say, he did just prove himself to be a bit of a gobshite who was mouthing off to the ref when he had no business being. And that's all they ever do. That's all these player mic things ever do is...
1: Yeah, they're either the bellowing sh- or shouting at the yeah. ref when they shouldn't be.
2: Yeah, there's almost never anything funny, which is what you really want.
1: <laughs> that's what you really want, isn't it? Yeah. You want him seen shouting cockhead at the yeah. opposite yesterday. Actually, they probably yeah, do that, exactly. but that's not what makes the edit.
2: Yeah, they're or they're well aware that they're mic'd up and they... Are very careful about what they say in the heat of the moment.
1: I want to see a full-on, like full-blown row between teammates, like a full-on meltdown about something.
2: Yeah, I remember once with an Os- maybe last season there was an Os- I think it was Ospreys versus Leinster, and it was supposed to be uh, Ashley Beck on player Mike, hmm. but he pulled out injured because he's Ashley Beck, and so they gave it to uh, to Andrew to uh, Andrew Bishop instead, and it was just. Like They obviously didn't want to do that, but they were sort of just like, oh, well, we can't just give it to another player. We're going to have to give it to the lad in the 13 shirt, I guess, otherwise it's going to look weird. And so they gave it to Andrew Bishop. And A, he's got a very piercing voice. <laughs> and B, all he does for the whole game is just go and shouts at people and tells them to look at things. And nothing else. He said absolutely nothing of any interest throughout the entire game. There was no witty banter. It was just shouting, constant shouting. Look at
1: what? Like, look at this on yeah. my phone.
2: Like, ta- like they're over there. Yeah, look, we know they're over look there. Look over there. Just, look at yeah, the baby. They're everywhere. <laughs> they're fucking everywhere, mate.
1: <laughs> look at the hot dog stand. <laughs> Be calm. So, yeah. So, yeah, the pole play mic thing. Yeah, I actually quite like it, but I think they could, they could they could edit it to make it a bit more interesting. Do you remember player cam in the football?
3: Oh, yeah. When it was
1: just like a slightly medium angle shot of somebody running round for 90 minutes. Yeah. It was the most bizarre thing in the world. Maybe they should tr- combine <laughs> that as well.
2: Maybe. I mean, if, like they do the ref cams. So why can't a player have that? I mean, I know it sort of makes him look like fucking Robocop when the refs have their weird like...
1: We're in a digital world now. You should have a player cam on every player and you can select by the red button which player you want to watch for the entire game. Well, they've game already all got to.
2: fucking GoPros, haven't they? So why why can't they? I don't know. It's weird, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I might turn my Sky Sports subscription back on if I did that. <laughs> <So>
2: what <laughs> did you learn anyway, out. Josh? Um, I learned... Well, I didn't touch learn, but I... I kind of don't really understand why everybody's get, having such big arguments about whether that was a red card or not for <laughs> oh, Damien DeLande. Oh. For starters, A, it was a fucking windpiping.
1: It was a. P- it ha- it, was, it, was, it, it was... happens
2: quite a lot, but it still happens and it's nasty and it sh- should be rightly fucking thing. And also, there was less than 10 minutes left anyway. He was never coming back on. It was 100 million percent a yellow, even if it
1: was a marginal red. Who gives a fuck? Like No, I agree. It's um <laughs> I I can see how it you could make the argument that I don't think it was definitely a red. And I'll no. say that right now, i got to say, I don't think it was definitely a red. It was definitely a penalty. Yeah. People who say it isn't a penalty are mental. Know, to yeah. use your line are demonstrably wrong. Yeah. But um, It's clearly a pen. It's clearly a pen because one he could have pulled out and two he led with his elbow. Yeah. He didn't have him without his elbow. The would the have been a pen. Was
2: yeah. Contact was made, rather. So it was, there was eight minutes left, red or yellow. The outcome also,
1: is identical. I don't like this idea of of the, the thing that's of blaming refs for what is basically the players doing. Yeah. So Lande had at least three steps to pull out of that. He, so hmm. that's the first choice he made. He didn't pull out. Two, when he went into him, he could have just basically done a kind of semi-tackle on him and just wrapped yeah. his arms. But he didn't do that. He lifted his elbow up. Now obviously there was no injury there was no contact all right I accept that but then we're forever kicking off that the same thing shouldn't be left on outcome and people saying yeah. there was no malice how do you know there was no malice he still because he didn't run you quite know. as fast as you'd expect him to what is a malicious speed to run into somebody <laughs> let's start getting into that shall we
2: yeah it's you know it's obviously a minefield but you can not you know as you say there was plenty of opportunity for him to not do what he did and yeah. yet he did it
1: and it's not Garces' fault that he did no. that.
2: <laughs> no, it's that he happened to notice it. Oh, what a bastard.
1: Yeah. I actually don't think it was definitely a red, but in this... In the no, direct, I think it's Under the directives now, there is absolutely no reason for DLN to lift his elbows up. No. And that's the second stage of it, because he, he could have just not run into it. So he didn't need to lift his elbows up. As soon as you lift your elbows up now, you're going to be in trouble, as Rhys Webb might be finding out soon.
2: Yeah, and but that one, if the comparison with that one and the Delande one is really interesting because it's like that was like a split second grappling thing, and Deolande, as you say, there was nobody anywhere near him. He had absolutely no need to be anywhere near where he was, and let alone to raise his elbows up. He made a conscious decision to try and basically have a bit of afters, and he got caught. Whether it's a red or a yellow, I don't really care, but, you know, who gives a fuck?
1: It is that thing as well that, and I've said, we've said this before, and I'll say it again, this whole thing about referees having empathy. (laughs) Empathy works both ways. If you're knowledgeable about the game, you look at the LND and go, you knew exactly what you were doing there. Yeah. That was deliberate. Yeah, you knew exactly what you were doing. And also, there's this whole thing about, you know, if you're too fucking thick as a player to not know that if you do something like that, you might be sent off, then actually you should just be fucking sent off anyway for being too thick.
2: Well, it's exactly the same as people you know, going back to that web thing. People start complaining about Webb getting nothing and Byrne getting a yellow card. It's like Byrne got a yellow card in the Osprey Scarlet's game because he saw somebody standing with his back to him sort of trying to sort out a, a melee And decided to drop the shoulder and drill into the back of him in front of the referee. That's just thick as shit. And anyone, like, I don't care how good a fucking player he is. I don't care what went on before. If you take a cheap shot and try to plant the shoulder into the back of somebody who's not paying any attention at all, trying to sort out a scrap. You're going to get penalised and you're going to rightly get a yellow card. And he can't have any complaints about that. Nobody can have any complaints about that. It's just stupidity. Yeah, especially often... when you do it when the ref is literally like standing next to yeah. you.
1: Do so you know the law book? The, there was a law that <laughs> yeah. was added. There was a law that was added last year. There's that extra law at the end which says, you know, a, you know, addition to except for Rabou
3: Yeah. Then th- there should
1: be another one out that says an, oh. an offence of being a complete fucking moron near the ref sanctioned red card.
2: Yeah. I, I genuinely think that I'd be totally fine with that. I mean, there was the Pascal Pape exclusion as well a few years ago, but I think they've got rid of that one now, haven't they?
1: Yes, I believe so. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm not as militantly. I'm not saying yes, they should all be red carded, but actually, no, I don't really see how trying to stop people late, lazily running into people with their elbow pointed up like a fucking jousting tournament is the way is a problem. <laughs> really,
2: it's not the end of the world at all, no. is it? And
3: you know, they're they're the like, end of like, you know, like cares? calm down.
1: Yeah. I'd rather they actually address the fact that people like Robbie Hemshaw are gobbing off at every fucking official well, that, on the yeah, field. That's, me. that's more me worrying more, to like... me than sending somebody off for leading with their elbow. That's more yeah. worrying for the, if you're going to go down the spirit of the game line. Far more worrying. Yeah.
2: yeah. Rugby has a tradition that the only the captain should speak to the ref. And everyone's ignoring that now. And it, it knocks me that people like Dan Bigger get singled out because every fucking team has at least two or three people. And they're always backs always without fail they're a scrum off or a fly off or a fucking centre or a winger who's constantly fucking in the ref's year fucking giving it all that and yeah you know it shouldn't happen either we go you know what anyone can talk to the ref let's just it happens let's let it happen or we just say no actually only the captain's supposed to let's actually start enforcing that
1: yeah so what we learned is we had something else to be miserable about for a change, yeah. Um, what else? What else? Um, People have learned nothing from Danny Cipriani in relation to Marcus Smith. Cash your mind back about seven years mm. to the chat, maybe a bit longer—seven, nine years ago the chat about Danny Cipriani.
2: Yes, second coming. Yeah, glorious future. I'm not going to say much England's more than Dan that. Carter. Really,
1: I'm just saying everybody should just leave. He looks a very, very talented lad and he looks like a he slightly less uh loaded magazine than mm. Danny Cipriani but then again he is quite young
2: and also compared to Danny Cipriani he does not look like he has the build for test rugby like
1: mm, that's an interesting actually yeah
2: can we like can we wait until he's had a crack in like the champions cup against some big fucking lads from france or south africa Who tried to basically use him as a fucking, you know, doormat for an entire game? Before we start anointing him the second coming, because Bowden, like people go, oh well, Bowden Barrett's not big. Bowden Barrett's not fucking small either. No, he's got a lot of strength. Bowden Barrett have to be big to be. Bowden Barrett is slight. He is not small.
1: Yeah, George Ford is
2: quite. Marcus Smith.
1: Yes, but but George Ford does have a defensive problem sometimes. So let's you know.
2: Yeah, and also, you know, George Ford has spent a bit of time in the gym. Let's let Marcus Smith spend some time in the gym and put some you know, he's five foot nine and he's twelve stone soaking wet. You know, that's Yeah. It's not it's not he's, gener- enough, he's but... Generation
1: Zarwell Thomas. That just think about that. That's what <laughs> let's, might happen.
2: Let's... Let's look at Orwell Thomas's physical stats in comparison. I'm going to do that right now, actually.
1: I think Orwell Thomas is um, even smaller than that. He's about 11 stone, Orwell Thomas. But no, uh, I mean, yeah, seriously, I don't want to completely more. do him down. I'm not saying that. He looks, no, he looks not at a all. genuinely remarkable talent. And actually, yeah. the maturity with which he plays oh, he's is genuinely beyond his years. remarkable.
2: He really is. He's got everything upstairs. However, yeah, Orwell Thomas, 5'9". £168, pounds, whatever that is, and crap it. £140 pounds
1: is 10 stone. Yeah, it's about 12 yeah. stone.
2: So, yeah, he's Arwell Thomas-sized. So, until he's not Arwell Thomas-sized, let's chill out.
1: So, a cautionary tale <laughs> yeah. is Arwell Thomas. As talented as yeah. he was, a cautionary tale.
2: Yeah. Mm.
1: What else did you learn?
2: Uh, I learned that... Um, oh, fuck it, I'm going to get out of the way early. Uh Rough recent Steve Tandy's half-time team talks must be about as inspiring as a narrated prostate exam. Like, in six games, they scored a grand total of two tries in the second half. One against Zebra, one a consolation against the Cheaters last week, and they're shipping truckloads. Um, how is that happening? Two tries in six games for a team with Dan Bigger and Reese Webb and Keelan Giles and Dan Evans in it is fucking mad.
1: Dan Evans worked hard, didn't he?
2: Oh, he fair play to him. He absolutely worked his bollocks off in that Scarlet's game. He deserved to be in a team that was a lot better than the absolute shit show that he's got.
1: So he got that out of the way early. Didn't have time to put yeah, the music on or anything. Yeah, I'll just
2: not go there again. I, I just, uh, every week I'm just going to take two minutes to vent and then we'll move
1: on. What else did I learn? Do you know... When it, I always have sympathy for a ref and a lino when they're trying to work out whether a, a lineout being thrown in is straight or not. Yeah, it's not that easy.
2: No, it can be quite hard.
1: Yeah, you know when it's not hard when the person is throwing the ball exactly a meter away from a very long white line that goes across the pitch. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot more straightforward. There were yeah. three. So basically, there were three lineouts thrown in by Dave Ward at the weekend. I think it was, th- I counted three, where he threw the ball in a metre to the right of a big long white line, and the person he threw it to caught it jumping over the white line. And it was never yeah. caught at all. I do think that, unless it's, I mean, it's difficult for refs, don't get me wrong, but unless it's really, really, it's becoming like um, scrums. I think yeah, if it's it a metre either way. Don't worry about it too much,
2: really. Nobody cares anymore, do they? And- <laughs> just,
1: yeah, just look how high he jumps. It's majestic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then to an extent, I kind of, you know, they obviously should be straight, but they're never really that straight anyway. Well, he can't be, you know, he can't
1: use a perfect perpendicular. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, you but, can't use a set square. It just like... seems quite. It's just so obvious when he was literally, he was, should have thrown, he should have caught it and made you inside the line, but you know, yeah, you it was just, it oh, just, it, it just jumped out quite obviously to me. No, it'll
2: be it... Brian Moore's new. It, will, believe, be, it? it will be, won't it? will be, won't it? I'm not i am not going to ask about
1: changing it. It just made me giggle a bit. Like obviously, yes. Wasn't. No,
2: it. it uh, there was. You've got to just. Yeah, sometimes it's just like whatever. Guess the game going again. I don't really care.
1: Yeah. And what lineups used to be like? Fucking shambles.
2: Oh, absolute shambles. You remember when, well, you, especially when they couldn't jump. That was when they were all the more. Yeah. Fun what,
1: do you remember the one where, where the best bit was when they said you can't be lifted, but you can be supported in the air. So oh, you yeah. can jump so and then be have to held to jump up. jump and then catch. <laughs> like you're in a fucking sedan chair. <laughs>
2: Whoever thought that was a good idea? <laughs> the really. You're talking about
1: interpreting a straight throwing. Imagine you fucking interpreting that, by the way. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, what, what else did you learn? Uh, I've learned that the scourge of Pinktober has reached rugby union. The scourge yeah, is of that what? this weekend?
1: Pinktober?
2: Oh, yes. You may have noticed over the weekend, anybody that was wearing Under Armour boots this weekend, they were bright pink.
1: We had to pink for, boots, yeah.
2: And will be for the rest of October, ostensibly oh, to raise nice. awareness of breast cancer research. Now, this is a massive thing over in the States, and the NFL's done it for a few years. They all wear pink boots and pink towels and all sorts for the month of um, October, which is breast cancer awareness month, I think. Um, and it's not—it's surprising that other brands haven't brought it over here before, to be honest, because it's sort of like, okay, fine, great, but what is it actually doing?
1: Like, I don't want—I pink... don't want to be that guy. But is anybody not aware of breast cancer anymore? Well, exactly, or any and form it's like, of cancer, actually. Yeah, it's like raising awareness
2: is fine, but are you doing actually anything to help? Like, well, I didn't know what US. it was.
1: so They're not raising that much awareness. I did see some pink ribbons, <laughs> exactly. but I had no idea what they were for. Yeah. And like there's been loads of
2: criticism in the US and rightly so for like these massive billion dollar sporting enterprises like the NFL and the MLB and all this um wearing pink to raise awareness but not actually doing anything practical to help. It's essentially a PR tool to make them look good, but not actually really contributing anything to what they're you know, supposedly promoting. I mean, it's and difficult
1: like, It's difficult to say you're against people raising awareness of cancer, isn't it? I'm not saying that. No,
2: and I'm not. But it's like, if Pinktober is going to come over here and everybody's going to... Can it not
1: be called Pinktober, for fuck's sake? Can,
2: yeah, yeah let's kill that now actually october pink month. before
1: i get loads of letters of complaint can i just make it very clear that my beloved auntie jill died five years ago of breast cancer at the age of 48 so i know exactly what it's like to be somebody for breast cancer okay so i'm not being yes. totally sniffy here yeah i am speaking from a position of some some level of experience but uh, yeah but my yeah, of breast credit.
2: cancer my died of breast cancer very aware of it <laughs> however it's just like if you're going to come over and do that thing and be like, yeah, we're going to wear pink, we're going to raise awareness, can it just be more than about trying to make yourself look good and worthy? And can it actually be doing something practical? Yes. And that's all I want.
1: Is it sort of like the 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 pedal version of virtue signaling? Foot it sort of signaling. is a bit.
2: It's like wearing it's like re- wearing rainbow laces for like promoting like equality it's like brilliant but are you actually doing anything practical beyond wearing those laces or are you just kind of doing it for a show
1: and every little helps but we're just asking that as a sport and as an organization you might want to express yourselves a bit more with what you're doing yeah what did i learn this weekend what i learned this weekend is that we need to talk about glasgow oh we do Absolute
3: filth!
1: Oh, oh, no mean city, oh, just indeed. Let it
2: go, just
3: let yeah, it that, go. I was Carry gone. On.
1: You should have seen us there, ladies and gentlemen. We were giving it a full. Well, I'm worn out Look, from air guitaring.
2: If, if, with. Like People have complained that we haven't talked about Glasgow yes. much over the first five weeks of the season. If you're going to play that at the start, I suggest we like have a Glasgow segment every week. <laughs> yeah, fuck, exactly. yeah, Yes, exactly. Who did that? Who, Who sang that? it?
1: Mary yeah. Bell, I believe she was called. Was All it Mary right. Bell? Not to be confused with Mary Bell, the child murderer from Sunderland in the 60s. <laughs> uh,
2: no, Maggie Bell. Maggie Bell. Maggie you. Bell. Who definitely isn't to be confused with the uh, <laughs> no, that's
1: right, yeah. I Scottish
2: she's rock t- vocalist? Done. Done. work with John Lord. Uh, Midnight Flyer. Genuinely never heard a great of them.
1: track. And the great '80s track. production is off the charts. Oh, it's stellar,
2: isn't it? That guitar tone does not exist in modern music. We honestly didn't say when
1: we went talk about Glasgow, we didn't mean talk about that song. So we'll, we will move on. <laughs>
2: we're going to get so many irate Glasgow fans complaining that we're going to spend more time talking about the Taggart <laughs> theme than we yeah. are about their team. there's a Glasgow. fucking reason for that, Glasgow fans. You are legit, all right? Dave Rennie has taken what was a very good club in Glasgow and made them into what is rapidly looking like a great one. Only unbeaten team in the Pro 12. First 14. team to win away to the Cheaters from the Northern Hemisphere. They're playing some seriously good rugby with it. Stuart Hogg says that Dave Rennie's turned them into a nice, happy family. Like, they're going to win things this season. They could well win the Pro 14. They could have a deep run in Europe. They've got a brilliant squad. But they're just incredibly
1: yeah. boring with it. They're far too quietly competent in what Lo- they're doing to draw Lo- our it. attention. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's there's, just There's nothing there's, funny to be there's said. There's no fast there. That's why yeah, I had, I had, had to play... play- i mean for fuck's sake i had to play music to make it yeah where are we gonna mine
2: comedy from brilliance with almost no like hubris or eccentricity just they're brilliant they all seem like a nice bunch of lads
1: and they're not evil you see
2: yeah dave rennie's a great coach he's not doesn't seem like a prick
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't know what else we can say. There's nothing here to the, be said. The, 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 With love and respect,
2: Glasgow, you are boringly brilliant, and you should take that as a badge of honour. An enormous compliment. We well, can't find anything
1: to take the piss out of. So, basically, thank you. No. Bro.
2: I mean, yeah. You there's not even any silly haircuts in the squad, for God's sake. It's just. There's not even you know. Finn
1: Russell's fucking mental bandage has, has, has been retired. No. The lot. Oh, you over. did actually
2: miss a bloody kick at finally. Can we make fun of that? after yeah, 20 consecutive true. kicks uh, what a dickhead
1: but John McGee got in touch on Twitter and he said because this was shit good but I wanted this later but he said good how about Matawalu's flick to Pergos and Russell's kick for Harley's try see yes it's all very good yeah. you've even turned yeah. Matawalu back into a functioning scrum half that can be <laughs> recognised as, as playing in a position and everything yeah and it's yeah they're just sorry Glasgow you
2: like brilliant you're probably the best team in the league to be honest
1: you are probably the best but, team in the league. Yeah? But
2: it's very hard to to say funny things about something that's that uncomplicatedly brilliant.
1: Yeah. So it's not
2: even like your bastards like Saracens. That's the thing Saracens are, are,
1: are incredibly competent but they're evil. So therefore you can yeah. you can hang out there with them but yeah. No, I'm sorry, but Glasgow are just too competent. And actually, yeah. we mean this most sincerely. Outstanding so far.
2: Yeah. And actually, long Brilliant. may it
1: continue. I'd love to see Glasgow do very well for a long period of time.
2: I I want to see them finally do well in Europe because <laughs> they've had a good squad for years, and obviously they won the Pro 12 a few years a, back, no, Actually, I...
1: you've got to worry about when the Six Nations and the Awesome internationals roll around, haven't you?
2: Mm, like basically, eighty yeah. percent
1: of their squad walks out the door.
2: True. But they've got, you know, the Scottish, uh, Scottish clubs, I should say, have got a lot of money behind them and they've got some depth. They've got depth that a Welsh region can only dream of. So they usually are right in the Six Nations, but it's can they hang? Can Glasgow hang with the big dogs? They did it all right. They, they gave a decent account of themselves last season. They beat Leicester. They beat Racing. It's time to start looking towards, and looking towards this weekend, you know, it's time They're to start looking towards them doing part, something though. significant.
1: Haven't they got quite a tricky group?
2: Everyone's got a tricky group, mate. It's Champions Cup. It's an absolute bastard. Um, <laughs> Who have they got? I
1: don't am looking uh, at uh, now uh, myself. They've got Exeter, you... Leinster, and Montpellier. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> we take it all
2: back. <laughs> oh, lads. <laughs> yeah, next year. Though. Next year. Brilliant. Uh, um, oh, yeah, that's... yeah, you're fucked
1: uh. there. <laughs> no, and to be fair, to get out of that group would be some going.
2: If they get out of that group, they could win the whole thing. Because uh, anyone of Exeter, Leinster and um, Montpellier are legitimate end of the you know, tail end of the tournament candidates, I'd say. So although Montpellier, Big Vern, he's gonna know all their weaknesses. He
1: is, isn't he? But he, might have a to what, he was crying them. when he left Scotland, know. he might want to do him a favour.
2: And also he's gonna know which members of that squad cried when they had to murder the baby animals, and so he'll target that weakness.
1: He'll, he'll, so, <laughs> yeah, that's what that now that's a player, Mike. I'd like to hear. someone <laughs> in a really strong French accent, going dead or orbees <laughs> to uh, to their opposite number and watching them to start crying.
2: Yeah, getting some getting their phone out and showing them pictures of some horribly mutilated like foie gras or something. Speaking of
1: horribly mutilated and terrifying French things, you sent me a picture <laughs> before we started doing this
2: oh my, of Matthew Bastro and weird. a tiny I, pair of trouble. For the life of me, I have no idea what that's. You know, the man, the man who. Who sent who tweeted that tweet is French. Uh, I've got no idea what are you saying. I've done the but translation it
1: thing. It doesn't make it any clearer.
2: No, it's it's basically Hugo Bonneval and Matthew Bastero uh, in what I can only describe as speedos and um, some stripy vests. And one of those is wearing it substantially more convincingly than the other.
1: Yeah, have a guess which one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Although I I quite enjoy Bastero's. Uh, sort of nonchalance as he's striding in a tiny pair of red speedos and a stripy vest. I mean, it's in many ways, it's the most French thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: I think Bastro, just the number of fucks he doesn't give are just... Because he spent his whole career just not giving one, has he? He's, yeah. he's, he's obviously yeah. eaten whatever he wanted, trained whatever yes. he
2: wanted. continues to eat whatever he wants.
1: Got massive, massive amounts of uh, money wherever he's gone. Yes. You know, had a bit of an incident in New Zealand with a coffee table, which he blamed on somebody else, if you remember all yeah, that.
2: That's awkward.
1: But he's, he's managed to come through it, singing and it's yeah. anything. is he on the fringe of the French squad again? He might replace Dale Ficke. Rule nothing out.
2: I rule absolutely nothing out.
1: Anyway, yeah, so that was, it, well, it was starting about Glasgow, wasn't it? We kind of seeked off, but what else did I learn? Yeah. What else did I learn? It could be Gloucester's year again. <laughs> I'm not going to do any accents, you'd be glad to hear. There's no stories oh, this fact,
2: But See, I'm genuinely disappointed at that. I thought you did a fantastic... <laughs> pair of accents last week to be honest i particularly enjoyed you david Humphreys. but
1: yeah the south african one wasn't good it's very hard to do south african accents it's hard to do accents accents that are quite close to other accents (laughs) so south african (laughs) ends up becoming australian and if you try and do a kiwi very easily yeah Yeah. or if you try and do a west country accent it ends up becoming welsh yes becomes quite tricky that's just me anyway hmm yeah, but no, I mean, God, I mean, generally the the Premiership generally is, is makes no just sense makes so apart from the fact that Saracens are top again, that makes perfect sense. Mm. But everything else, just well, that's just the, a, a the one of
2: spot of order in another otherwise confusing world, isn't it? It is. It's it, yeah. No, I don't understand it. Wasps are a mess.
1: Yeah, third from bottom. <laughs>
2: like that defense. What the fuck is going on there? Like that the the Jamie George second try. Like, he mm. could have sent an entire platoon of Jamie Georges through that gasp gap, and it was just like, what are you doing? What are you actually doing? So, I don't understand. I does not understand. That, His little face. Oh.
1: I know, bless him. His little yeah. face didn't change at all, but I could tell. I could tell he was hurt. I, I
2: could see it and like, I could see the pain in his eyes. He'd also downshifted
1: really to casual sportswear this week. I think yes. that's a sign of the fact that he's he's not a happy camper. He couldn't <laughs> yeah, be bothered doing like, his ironing.
2: Like when he was coming into work in you know a barely fitting shirt and tie, you know you could tell that he felt like the cock of the walk. But now he's like you know basically the, the equivalent of my wife's left me, and as you say, she stopped doing the ironing.
1: I mean, an open-neck so an open, <laughs> an open shirt and short sleeves would have been perfect for the final last year when it was boiling. Yeah. But he was fully jacketed and suited up. Top yeah. button still done for the duration. I think it's a kind yeah. of a deep psychological trauma. Yeah. And I don't, I think think that's, said, I don't believe that's a leap at all g- that I've just this made.
2: This team don't give a fuck. <laughs> Why should I?
1: What makes... Somebody's pointed out on Twitter, and I'm sorry I meant to copy it, and I'm sorry it isn't, they made the point that... I think it might have been Repka who said... That quick tap, which led to that try, it was a quick tap. Mm. Thirteen seconds after the referee blew his whistle, <laughs> so <laughs> so it wasn't not quick. It's all about. <laughs> well. so, no, so they had plenty That's of time to, to, to organise anyway. themselves. And Haskell was properly walking and wheezing all the way across to where he was supposed to be.
2: Yeah, He's, uh, He had had old summer blessed him. Yeah. sitting did, on the bench? What did you learn?
1: Uh, else, did you learn, Josh? Anything? Um,
2: more? I learned that national dual contracts don't really work if you don't play, pay the players what they're actually worth. Rhys Webb, right? Yeah. Going to Toulon, right? He The the W I U dual contract that he was offered to stay is about half of what he's going to get in Toulon. Now, you can make all sorts of cases about the other benefits that national dual contracts have. You know, you, you play get. less, you mm-hmm. get... You access get, to you know the wi medical staff all that stuff you get to live in port not, talbot things like but not for fucking half the money like, that's mental like <laughs> just genuinely insulting like people ask why ireland are making it work when wales can't and it's because centrally contracted players in ireland basically are earning what they in or nearest damn it to what they get in england or in france but Wales are trying to lowball their players and Kel surprise, the wheels have come off and everybody's leaving because nobody's gonna take a fifty percent fucking pay cut just to stay in Wales.
1: I think there's an as an, nice as it is. An incredible amount of not facing up to the reality going on with all of this stuff in that Yeah. Everybody's losing money with what mm. they're paying players, which means yeah. that you've either got to get a hell of a shitload more, more money coming in, which isn't gonna happen because there's only so big a market for rugby can be in the British Isles and Europe. Yeah. Um, you're losing plates. So therefore, everyone's overpaying everyone. The market mm-hmm. is being dictated by France, who, you know, all right, they've got a big TV deal, but that's still a complete basket case funding-wise as well. Everybody's yeah. chasing this French pay to try and keep older people or losing people. And there's just a massive amount of just not facing up to the reality of the situation. I mean, when you've got sort of third string fly arms at shit old teams or not very well-performing teams paying, being paid 100 grand a year. Yeah. When, you, when you're well in the red already, the whole yeah. thing is broken. You see, football gets away with it because of their massive global reachers clubs. Yeah. Their almost unlimited ability to negotiate TV deals. And the fact that they've all entered this sort of devil's bargain together you know what I mean
2: yeah, in terms because, of you know, the TV you know, call have to keep paying. reek of sulphur yeah. but <laughs> <Yes>. it's <laughs> yeah well, no it's It's very true like I think I said on Twitter the other day that you know I don't think that Welsh rugby will exist in 10 years in any kind of recognisable way well, how but how can, can the Premiership quite, exist in quite yeah you could put that out to everyone is rugby going to exist in 10 years if we keep going like we are spending more money than we've got Not cutting our cloth, you know. And I'm fully in favour of players getting every fucking penny that they can. Absolutely, yeah. And if the the money's there, fucking go and get it, by all means. But, you know, a couple of years ago, the average salary in the Premiership was like, I think it was something like 40-something grand Hmm. for a Premiership player. And, like, Dan Carter getting a quarter of a mil a season for uh, Perpignan at the time, was seen as like insanity. And now we've got Rhys Webb getting 600 grand a year. Hmm. And Carter's on a million a season. And it's like that.
1: Who loses here by Rhys Webb doing this? Really, who loses? He gets a load of money. He gets exposed to playing rugby in one of the best leagues well, most mental, but, you know, a top-end league, different experience, yeah. world-class Might players all over. The place. actually wins something. Mine actually wins something. Tops up that beautiful Ron Seal teak.
2: Oh, it doesn't... Imagine the money you'll save on fake tan now that he doesn't yeah. have to untan in beds, now that you can just all go outside. All you have to do is
1: put some lemon juice in his hair to get that streak. He won't yeah. have to, like, dye yeah. it or anything like that. <laughs> and, you know, it's perfect for him. And then, do Wales really lose out here? The only issue is, no. is access, isn't it? Yeah, But luckily, well, World uh, Rugby are relatively strong on access to players in international windows. You're, really yeah. only, you're quibbling over the a... The comp- one team that
2: isn't, though, and the one team that is a shithouse about it is the one that he's gone to. And apparently, the rumour is that if he gets... like in his, It's in his contract that he will not get paid if he gets injured for Wales, which is... Right. ...fairly horrible. But that's well, He's taking how, that risk, how,
1: isn't he? Yeah, that's he's decided really to go, school, well, you know, you fucking know.
2: hell, it's a lot of money... I'm better off risking it than and hoping that my insurance will cover me if it goes tits up. I guess, but um, yeah, because I get you know. But all
1: you're losing out is Rougelot. a couple is a couple of weeks of access to him as an international coach, yeah. aren't you? That's really yeah. what it boils down to. You know, yeah. he's not having to travel miles to come to trade, and it's too long to fucking Cardiff Airport, or whatever. It's going to be yeah. a short flight. You know, I don't understand. I don't understand Gatland's law. As well, nobody understands it because it, it's not oh. even a thing.
2: Yeah, it's not a thing. You know, Gatland's law, it's not Gatland's idea. None of it is Gat like the reason that Gatland's law inverted commerce was brought in, it's got more to do with the regions than it has to do with Warren Gatland. The regions are say are basically saying we're spending all this time and money and we're developing these players for you and we're getting absolutely no compensation for it and we're losing them to everywhere else. But, you know, it's... So they said, you know, basically force them to stay by saying that they can't play for Wales.
1: It's going to be interesting and... to see... Yeah, but it's... To
2: that it now. just doesn't make any... Like, that's not... Gatland doesn't... Like, Gatland doesn't give a shit where they're playing. Yeah, he'd like a bit more access to them, but, you know, Rhys Webb knows what he's doing. George North knows what he's doing. Those extra couple of weeks of training every season aren't going to make a great deal of difference. And most of them have gone now. Have negotiated full release for all training camps and stuff in their contracts, anyway. So, yeah, I just the whole thing has been handled badly, I just by the W.I.U. and
1: By and large, how's it going?
2: Pretty terribly, to be honest. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I just it'd be interesting to see when when everyone runs into the wall because it's coming.
2: Yeah, it really is, and I'm becoming more.
1: There's a diminishing returns cognizant. issue here yeah i think
2: i'm becoming more cognizant every month i think that rugby is basically you know full on steaming in the cadillac towards the cliff edge and that i don't know which who's thelma and who's louise in this particular kind of
1: <laughs> you be thelma I'll be louise. yeah
2: okay brilliant uh well who's brett gosper um
1: <laughs> i don't know brett
2: <laughs>
1: he's the car um so it's. okay, good. <laughs> yeah, so I don't. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's I'm sorry coming, to be negative, but long. honestly, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to be. But no. Th- there's a reality issue here, and we can all just close our yeah, eyes and go, isn't this wonderful? Or accept the fact that we're existing in something of a bubble at the minute in terms of rugby pay. And, mm. you know, and all, you know, how old Reese Webb now?
3: 28, 27, 29, 29. Of course years.
1: he's going to take this. Yeah, year. it'll be done for years, won't he Million percent he should, should take
2: everyone. it. I don't begrudge him in the slightest, but it's either the W.I.U. and everybody else has to find equal money to compete with those kind of salaries or or don't or don't and the whole edifice comes fucking crumbling down but you know that's just what you're gonna have to accept or, yeah. or the players are gonna have to take less the coaches are gonna have to take less you know it's it's an unpleasant reality that we're looking at here, but something, somewhere, somehow has got to give.
1: The play, Everyone, basically, the players are playing chicken about being selected. Because that's the only leverage yeah. that there is, isn't there? That basically, if you go, yeah. we won't play for Wales. And Riesfeld's gone, you know what? I'm going to go. And let's see who blinks first, shall we? Because mm. you know what's going to. You know, of course, they're going to select him. Yeah. He's the best
2: scrum half in Wales. I and mean, it's the, not close.
1: The only well. issue, you know, the, the kind of the England players like Abandon and, and Armitage that have gone were never. Absolute nailed on starters anyway. No, not it was just at all. they were playing well in France, and people said, "Oh, please pick them." It's like, well, no. It'd be interesting to see what if somebody like Andy, if somebody like um, Owen Farrell <laughs> went. Yeah. How what what resolve would be tested then?
2: Genuinely. Yeah. Well, exactly. And England have always have got the advantage that they've got more rugby players than anybody else in the world anyway. So yeah. there's chances are that there's always going to be somebody else to step up and and do a tidy enough job, whereas. Countries like Wales do not have that luxury at all, and you know it's yeah, it's all very silly. But yeah, as you say, it's it's heading towards a precipice, and I wonder what will happen when we get there.
1: Yeah. Um. What else did I learn this weekend? Uh, Marx hasn't made that much of an impact on the on the international stage since the Russians pulled out of World War One in 1917.
2: Oh yes, woof.
1: Quite a player. Other uh, Russian and communist-related Marx. Examples yeah. were were available. For example, yes. hasn't made that much an impact since Stalin's first five year plan. Like, you know, like stuff, it. Lots of stuff you can choose from.
2: Really. Yeah. Did I? I assume that somebody went with a full Marx headline. <laughs> Surely, <laughs> they, they
1: must have done. Adam Rees on or Twitter said that his good nominations this week. He just had a picture of Gandhi and a picture of Karl Marx. <laughs> and funnily enough, I know exactly what he's talking about. This is no, of...
2: I yeah. Speaking of which, yeah, well, we'll come on to him in good, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, Maurice is incredible. Absolutely incredible player.
2: Oh, ridiculous. Like, looked good from the, the minute best. I
1: first saw him in the first game of this season. I thought, he looks quite handy. And it's uh, been good ever since.
2: What's really alarming is that, you know, he was basically sitting there doing nothing while... Oh, what's this the guy who used to be... Adrian the Strauss. Adrian Strauss was sitting there looking like a big blonde baby. And not being very good. Looking like a distant relative anything. of
1: Biff Tannen from Back to the Future.
2: <laughs> exactly that, yeah. Um, yeah, What well, you know, he's basically just been getting in the way for the last two years, yeah. is what we've. With the greatest respect to him. Um, Yeah, brilliant. Probably the best performance Hell I've seen. Hell of a game as well. Mm.
1: Hell of a oh, game as well.
2: Oh, brilliant game.
1: I didn't nice see the see. Um, Australia. Argentina no,
2: well, why would you watch a dead rubber between two very average teams at eleven thirty on a Saturday night? <laughs>
1: yeah, I was, I was, I was, uh, I was in Bobbies then, as he'd say up north.
2: Yeah, I, I wasn't. I just couldn't be bothered. It was. I, I watched the highlights. It was exactly as what you expected.
1: Yeah. What Argentina did you learn? ran out. Of steam we're still on? What we learned? We're fucking hours into the thing. we're still on? What we learned? I know.
2: God, i I've, I'm done. I've learned nothing.
1: Nothing else.
2: Tell you what, I haven't learned is how to be concise. Um. Well,
1: that's a very quick one for me. Mm. What you learn? You're not telling me that we've said it isn't about the kit because <laughs> they've lost again in that Fair. kit. I'm telling Fair. you. Yeah. Sam Simmons is faster than wingers. I noticed that.
2: He's is rapido, isn't he? He outgassed DTH Van der
1: Merwe for that try, as well yeah. as stepping left and right at full pace.
2: Ugh, he's ridiculous.
1: Um. Yeah, that was it. And that, well, before we carry on, the um, mm. couple of things. No brew, no clue. <sighs> do you remember last yes. week when I said, and we were talking with Paul, and we said that he's basically Gandhi because of his influence mm. to inspire on the bat team. Rightly so. And that without obviously, no brew, no clue. And I said, you know, I'm sure I need some time to do an analysis. Well, lovely reader well. out there, Will Gaines, got in touch and said, I've done the analysis for you.
2: Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, has he got any, like, has he got a job?
1: Well, I think he was in work at the time. So I'm sorry I've said your name there, Will, because I don't, I'm sure, (laughs) I hope your employers don't listen. They're one of the 13 people that listen to this pod, but that's, uh... yeah. So anyway, long story short, he looked at the whole 2016 and 17 season, broke it down by competition. Long story short, Jesus. Brew, Brew not in the team. Yeah. To win the team is virtually the same. In terms of a win percentage, uh,
2: well, was that that was done pre-Saturday? There wasn't. That was it? done so...
1: pre-Saturday when the brew came in, scored two magnificent tries,
2: won the game, won Boom. the game for them. So stick you... that in your pipe and smoke it.
1: Science schmience, I say. Yeah,
2: <laughs> fuck science. Yes, it, that is a popular opinion in the world these days. So you know, I feel like we're getting setting our stall out nice.
0: There are those who fear change, those who welcome change, and those who drive change. At Nissan, we've always believed in driving change.
1: Now, the all-new Nissan Qashqai is here. With the style and tech you want and the power you need, it's the future-proof family car. So, are you ready for change? The all-new Nissan Qashqai, electrified with mild hybrid
0: power. Book a test drive today at Nissan.ie. Nissan innovation that excites bank of ireland is looking out for your financial well-being they want to help protect you from fraud so whether it's black friday cyber monday or even just plain old tuesday be careful online don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank a delivery service or any company is legit and remember Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security, and together, this Christmas, we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Well,
1: that's the last thing I learned this weekend. Rob Andrew is still a complete shit.
0: Oh,
2: God alive. That fucking... oh. Is but there it's, anybody in rugby who's gone more out of their way to just demonstrate what a complete fucking ring piece they are <laughs> than him? Unbelievable. It's
1: just, yeah, the, 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 like, the stupid mouse-faced tit is back. And basically... <laughs> like, saying that Don't care about your book, mate. Fuck he's got off. a book out, obviously, and he's having a massive go at Stuart Lancaster in it, in the telegraph, of course, just to make it even more unpleasant for everyone <laughs> involved. Um Teflon Rob, the man who just not only every review he commissioned he got promoted out of he was yep. never held responsible for anything. He made a big yep. point in this in this um piece about the fact that Wayne Smith would have been better. Even though it was his Maybe. job to secure Wayne Smith and he didn't get yeah,
2: it. And somehow didn't. Brilliant.
1: Yeah, so and I feel a bit so you know, it's a bit a pile on for Stuart again, although there was a brilliant picture of Stuart looking a bit confused and frightened.
2: Well it's like yeah, why didn't you like you? It's not like he, he was just sitting there unable to do anything when Stuart Lancaster was making these bad decisions. The RFU signed off on bringing. It's widely known hmm. that the RFU basically stumped up the money and signed off on Sam Burgess coming over from League. So it's not like Rob Andrew was in a position of power where he could have in some way influenced or stopped that decision. It's not like he was Stuart Lancaster's boss or anything.
1: And he'd also been there when Andy Robinson did exactly the same thing with Andy Farrell. I've got yeah. a leadership problem, I've got a position problem, I know, I'll buy a, a great player from Rugby League and hope he can solve it within two months.
2: Yeah, and he allowed that to happen again. It, I found, I genuinely found it incredible, like, disgusting. It's like, you were in fucking charge, mate, you should be carrying the can for this mistake, not basically hanging out a coach who, for all of his flaws, was a very decent man, Hmm. And clearly cared fuckloads about it. Yeah, you you don't need to be a fucking genius to see that he cracked under the pressure of the World Cup. It was a home world cup in England, where England were expected to do well by the English media. No England coach in the history of England coaches has ever been under that much pressure, I would say. Like
1: No, and no English In terms coaches...
2: of media and exposure and all that. Like a home World Cup where England are good. It was insane, and oh, I just thought he was so disingenuous and so slimy and so shitty and oh, just I everything. I just hope I he'd gone away and
1: would never speak again. Yeah, but obviously that's not the case. But it did remind me uh, him popping up of just how many times over the history of rugby he's managed to be a bit of an argumentative shitbag and <laughs> a sort of regular, sort of semi-regular. Occasionally, we might dip into this something called great rugby arguments. Oh yeah. And I found two great rugby arguments that Rob Andrew has had in history. Now this one the first two? sorry. Well, see two two. yeah, indeed, yeah. This yeah. one I do like. I get this one. Rob Andrew versus meteorology.
2: Oh, I was this continue.
1: Yeah. 2002, right? He loves having a barney like uh,
2: Oh, he loves Rob, it. Rob, doesn't
1: he? In 2002, he took it so far that it was almost like he'd gone insane. In January of that year, right, <laughs> Newcastle were due to play a Heineken Cup tie against Leinster. Rob was at Newcastle at that time.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Only for the ref to decide that the pitch was frozen and therefore too dangerous to play a rugby match on. That's not, that's not a controversial view, is it?
2: Certainly not in January in Newcastle. No, after all, no.
1: you, know, you wouldn't play rugby on concrete, would you? So why would you play on a frozen no. pitch? Andrew, however, had no such concerns and went ballistic. He claimed that the Leinster players were sitting on the coach at their hotel waiting to go and get on the plane. I have a feeling they want to play the game next week. Yeah, but probably. They, but they're not the ones who get to call the game off. Yeah, so, was he the suggesting that? that they must have paid the ref to say the pitch was frozen or that Leinster have sort of access to Iceman from Spider Man and his amazing friends <laughs> to actually just freeze the pitch so they can go home?
2: Well, I mean, it's also with the benefit of hindsight, it's not like Newcastle had done something like, oh, I don't know, installed an artificial pitch because it was it so fucking cold and shitty and shambolic. <laughs> they they played
1: Hoff, yeah. Um, oh. What happened in that situation was that the following the game was re the following Tuesday, and Leicester won seventeen Leicester won fifteen. So fuck you.
3: <laughs>
1: but yeah, but it, literally, he had a row with the weather. And then, if you go back to De- December two thousand and one, Rob Andrew versus Olivier Azam and the population of Gloucester. I like this oh, one. Oh
2: God, I remember this.
1: So this is <laughs> So Azam, Olivier Azam, by the way, can we just pause Olivier Azam for a minute? Oh. I've got a theory that Olivier Azam was literally the last of the psychotic hookers.
2: He was an absolute lunatic, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, a proper big psychotic horrible bastard. Now, I can't talk about tier two nations and below, but actually, in the top tier professional rugby, I think he was probably the you know, like um, Butch James, the last to wear gloves. Yes, he was the last total (laughs) psychopath. Because since then, it's been like because he played around the same time as Lee Mears and stuff, so that transfer was happening. Since then, it's been the Dane Coles's of this world, hasn't it? the Kevin Millar. Yeah, although,
2: you know, somebody like Marcus Ayerza, bit of a lunatic, Argentinian, uh, not a sight, not an absolute bastard, not like a no, Christoph Uriah not a proper sort of nasty,
1: bastard. proper horrible, I like to hurt people, like yeah. Sam was. But anyway, this story's got yeah. everything. It's got Olivier Azzam, <laughs> Rob Andrew, Epi Taione and racism. So, therefore, Brilliant. it's a fantastic thing. All
2: of our favourite topics. Yeah.
1: Um, Olivier Azzam and Epi, Epi had a bit of a fight. Newcastle, mm. When Newcastle played Glob, uh, Gloucester, mm. Rob Andrews decided to, to calm the situation down afterwards by accusing Olivier Azam and the whole Groster crowd of being racist.
2: Brilliant.
1: He said, Azam called Epi a black bastard and spat at his face. It was a cracking lively game, but it pales into insignificance for me. I don't even want to talk about the game. This is about racism. Sounded exactly like David Brent, by the way. Racism, which God, I hate. He
3: really does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't even want to talk about the game. games about racism. It came from the crowd too. I could hear it from where I was sitting. I've never experienced anything like it before. It was disgusting. Players inciting crowds to chant racist filth has got to stop. It's got to be rooted out. This is bigger than the game of rugby. He then continued Epitaph is not a violent man. <laughs> Shinny fucking wreck. Uh, yeah, do you reckon? Yeah. Um, he was just yeah. reacting and he was in tears in the dressing room. Afterwards. This lad's in tears after what's happened to him. <laughs> um, this is a sad day for Gloucester Rugby Club and we'll be looking to see if we are going to take any further action, he said. <laughs> then Olivier, is brilliantly adopting a variation on some of my best friends are black, denied everything. He said, I'm, 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 I have never made such remarks to another person. My mother is French and I was born in France, but my mother my father is Moroccan. In French culture, this makes me technically non-white. So it makes the <laughs> allegation even it's more te- crazy, he
2: said. I'm technically non-white. <laughs> te- this is this brilliant. Is brilliant. <laughs> I am technically non-white. <laughs> technically non-white myself.
1: <gasps> <laughs> so in the aftermath, Gloucester decided to ban Andrew from the ground until he apologised with only Tom nice. Wa- Tom Walkinshaw saying, Rob has a history of shooting off when things haven't gone his way. Oh, that's
2: rem- the understatement of the century there. Oh, <laughs> my God.
1: But his remarks last week were, I believe, the most disgraceful ever made at a rugby press conference. <laughs> and imagine, Tom Walker's yours been at Steve Diamond's press conferences, so that's probably quite a. <laughs> also,
2: also, this was pre, you know, the Cantgate. <laughs> So. <laughs> That's very true, yeah.
1: Um and then as I'm threatened to sue Rob Andrew, I said, I feel these Fair. accusations have damaged our reputation and character beyond repair because he's such a, he had such a strong character before that. Yeah. And could have a de- could have a detrimental effect on my playing career. Andrew refused to back down. He said, I'm acting as a representative of the player and the club and a ban on me is effectively a ban on the club. I love that. I bet the rest All of the right. club went, No it isn't, Rob, shut up.
2: Yeah. You can just stay at home, Rob. Back yeah. off.
1: Their action has serious ramifications for the league, uh, and he was banging that drum for most of the season. In the end, guess what happened?
2: Did he mealy-mouthed back down?
1: <laughs> yeah, he was forced to apologise in two thousand and two, as no evidence could be found for what had accused Huck, that what he had accused Azam of. This was despite his assertion that his own Newcastle players had heard the comments. None of them came out and said they had. A joint statement, <laughs> a joint statement from the clubs closed the issue with. Uh, and I quote, although the remarks were made in good faith based on statements made to Rob Andrew before the press conference, he now accepts that there was insufficient evidence to justify the remarks. <laughs>
2: that is that is a minefield of There's so much going is. on there, isn't
1: there? It's absolutely <laughs> amazing. And that's I
2: also love the fact that like all, like all, he claimed that the players heard it, and then when he came, like, sort of that schooly old thing, he saw it, and then it was going, I'm fucking looking at me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> saying nothing, son. Yeah.
1: But is, is anybody else out there technically non-white?
2: <laughs> technically non-white is the new black.
1: Yeah, so great rugby arguments. There you go. Oh, great. So what an absolute, absolute hell uh, that man is. Yeah. Have any of you out there got any great rugby arguments you can remember and want to draw our attention to? Yeah.
2: Or who do you think is the next person Rob Andrews going to throw under a bus <laughs> in a serialised column?
1: That's all. That is a, well. That's all his book will be, isn't it? People will buy it to see yeah. exactly who he's going well, <laughs> to. People it, who have wronged me. Well, Bri- uh, Brian Ashton, he basically yeah. booted him out of a job for his mate Martin Johnson, didn't he? Yeah. He really is just an unconscionable prick. <laughs>
2: he, it's, it shows how far things have come that he's, you know, basically managed to make such a a successful career out of being an absolute penis
1: what makes me laugh is as i was saying that matt matthew matt matthewman just tweeted us out blood and mud and said he's going to throw brian ashton and martin johnson with the same <laughs> bus tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right Matt. yeah yeah right so there you go uh, that was great rugby arguments and olivier yes. Azam and rob andrew and racism and technically non-white people all in the space of what uh, probably far God, too long but you know how it is
2: people say that we get like you know, people are being certain, talking about how Egg Chasers have been getting up and beating us for our marathon-length yeah, somebody podcast. Somebody did say that, didn't they, yeah. Um, well, well.
1: Shall we talk about the Cuthbert Police challenge on Challenge
2: accepted. Yes. <laughs> Fair play to Con, they really, really tried to ruin our little plan for did, Shitwatch. Like, they were leading in what seemed like a terrible game against Ulster at it one point it was like game, yeah. 6-5 at one point in midway through the second half it was just like oh god but um yeah in the end Ulster pulled away and they got stuck with a CPC for another week but but
1: yes here this comes is a biggest... good
2: thing sorry <laughs> connacht fans this is a good thing because look at those next two games
1: Oh, you not away.
2: away against the third worst team in the top 14 or at home against the worst team in the Premiership.
1: So Surely
2: something's got to give there. One of those two.
1: One of those Come two. On. Connacht has to beat one of those two. We are all from, we are all Connacht fans now. Galwegians yes. all.
2: Yes, I, I will put any like. What, I don't care what happens next weekend. I don't care if the Ospreys get beaten sixty nil by Claremont because they probably will anyway. But as long as if Connacht beat Oyuna. I will be delighted. The CPC. Because you know what? Yes. I and I don't play another English team, uh, like another non-French team, for months <laughs> after this. It's They've got bro- a brief. The next game is Brieve. The second Challenge Cup Games game is brief. Yeah. And then it's all, until like mid-January, or whenever the next round of Champions Cup games is, it's all French teams. The potential... But yeah, fun things happening with the CPC in the top fourteen. Oh god, I'm excited. And
1: even if we miss next weekend, the chance that Worcester will beat them.
2: Oh god, and then it surely, shouldn't they be surely it. they've got to beat Worcester like, if they if they don't win one of these two games. I think we should just make Connick keep it forever because <laughs> they've let us down. They've let themselves down. They've <laughs> let, un- let <laughs> the they've let the concept of the Cuthbert Police they've, on Cup down.
1: They've let the Shaolin Temple down. Yeah, the um, whole thing. Although the thing about it going it. into the Premiership is it's just trying to work out how long it'll take to get to London Irish and stay there. That's the, that's the worrying thing about a Premiership. Whereas in the top 14, it could genuinely bounce around all over the shop.
2: It could go anywhere, absolutely anywhere. I'm really excited about that.
1: So that's the Cuthbert Police on Cup. Which brings us on to, before we get into shit good, do you remember um, the other week when we did the whole Haskell Nathan Lane birdcage thing? Oh, yes. I had yeah. a letter from Enjoyed Helen that. who said maybe you could do Sean Holly Songs, the musical. And we said to people, anybody got any ideas about Sean Holly songs and musical? Anyway, Ian Bradshaw emails. He says, as probably one of the few people sitting in the intersection of the Venn diagram that is rugby fans who also like musical theatre, I couldn't resist a Sean Holly song's musical challenge. Here's a couple of early bids. (laughs) Gerard Depardieu as Serge Blanco singing Food Glorious Food from Oliver.
2: Like it, like it.
1: Nathan Lane obviously, playing James obviously. Haskell, singing I am what I am.
2: <laughs> oh, Latham Lane would be great in a red scrum cap as well. He
1: would, wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, a whited-up Mr. T playing Joe Marler, singing Everyone's a Little Bit Racist from Avenue Q. <laughs> that's the one with the Muppets, isn't it, Avenue Q?
2: Yeah. And I mean, that's right, that's, <laughs> that is borderline, but funny.
1: Yeah, but you see, this is Everyone's a Little Bit Racist. Imagine Joe Marler... In inappropriate makeup, singing this.
2: Everyone's a little bit racist today. So, everyone's a little bit racist,
0: okay? Ethnic jokes might be uncouth, but you laugh because they're based on truth. Don't take them as personal attacks. Everyone enjoys
3: them, so relax.
1: That's basically the entire argument uh, that, that Joe Marlowe wasn't being racist last year.
2: It's, it's remarkable. I can just, I'm <laughs> lost in a delightful world of imagining a blacked-up Mr. T doing that in particular. A, a whited-up Mr. White, T, a whited up black Mr. Up. T, I should say.
1: Yeah, a white up Mr. T being Joe Marlowe singing that.
2: Oh, that'll be glorious.
1: And then finally he said, The Shed as a chorus. Playing themselves, singing "Maybe This Time" from Cabaret. That would be heartbreaking, <laughs> wouldn't it? That would be heartbreaking. A big communal oh. sing along to close. Glorious, glorious stuff. That, Ian, that was thank you very much. Very, very good. Let's do shit good. Let's. What do you want to start with? Uh, pff, good. Why not good? Why? Because that was good. I'm feeling quite up after that. Yeah, you know, yeah. song about racism. So let's uh, let's go into yeah. uh, what was good for me. Jerome is in the middle of that massive fight.
2: Oh, that it's was a- fun actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And it was what was the best thing about it was is how remarkably calm he was. This massive yeah, rammy kicks off, yeah.
2: Yeah. Maybe it just being a referee just gives you a sort of like weirdly like sort of Teflon y thing that you're not gonna get fucking battered. They must be you're part not, of like, it. They're not allowed to.
1: In the top-level modules, they must bring big lads in and say, right, stand in the middle of them, it's all going to go off. Let's see how you handle it. Yeah. Never mind your yeah, knowledge of the laws. What's, what, what's your fortitude like in the middle of a massive rammy?
2: <laughs> yeah, fair play to him, though. He absolutely kept his head when uh, I would have been worried about mine being taken off, to be honest. So, what have um, you got? Good for me, Tommy O'Donnell. Uh mainly for that ridiculous break and the step, which led to the Keith Earls try. And it must be said, uh, Keith Earls.
1: Yes, he did actually on his return, did play pretty well. Frequent
2: critic of him I am, and he did have a rough time under the high ball, but two fair play to him, cracking finishes, and his little show and go for that disallowed try was naughty. Um,
1: Yeah, and that disallowed uh, try, by the way, was an example of Henshaw asking the... Was it the fourth official or the touch? Tra- touch
2: God judge? knows. God knows
1: about whether it was a fourth Sext- pass. He see, and Sexton that's-
2: was asking it as well, though. Hmm? You know, Sexton was asking as well. Well, and Sexton's also, a captain. He was the actual captain, so that's
1: fair. But actually, generally speaking, this is what you talk about: thinning of the wedge. I've go back to the point before. That's far more worrying for me. By this fucking TMO interventions all the time, this is what we're creating: a load of shit house yeah. chat. To- True, to-
2: but in this case. It was, you know, it was just one of those things where it was so forward, so that, that forward. doesn't It matter would have been a travesty.
1: It could have been 13 miles forward. The point is, is that it had been scored and then everybody thinks it's okay to ask people, to ask the officials to, to ask the TMO.
3: Mm, I, I can honestly say activity. I would
1: rather have the try given, even if it was against my own team, than have this just constantly get worse and worse and worse.
2: I was amazed when the ref gave it, because I was like, surely he's going to go straight to the TMO with that. The touch judge is going to say something. And then nobody said anything. And it was absurd that, while I'm totally with you in theory, in this case, it was just like, it was absurd that none of the officials were like, that looked a good 6 feet forward. We should maybe check that.
1: But the whole just for me the whole thing of it stinks. The whole thing of, yeah, you have given it and then you look at the te- literally look at a telly and go, "Oh shit, I shouldn't have given that." Everybody come back. <laughs> no. It's just
2: ridiculous. But, he, but like for me it was it, I was fine with it because it's like it wasn't multi-phases. It was the same, you know, it was 10 seconds hence. There was no breakdown, there was no it was the same phase and there was a huge forward pass. So they're just getting it right. Like, I'd rather them get it right than get it wrong.
1: Well, I'd it's not often we disagree, make, Josh. I'd rather I
2: make the, the fucking one. decision.
1: I dis- no, like. I just, I'm sorry. No, fuck off. Do your job.
2: <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'd much rather the touch judge have gone, well, that was about six million miles forward. Well, this forward, is the problem.
1: They're not doing that now. They're not actually no. nothing in real time anymore. And, and unless well, you actually... stop that going back thing, then it's, it's right. never What was he back.
2: watching? What was he like? What was that touch judge watching to not put his flag up there because it was miles, like literally yeah, Properly
1: miles. Yeah, it was like a fucking that's... Dan Marino job, yeah,
2: yeah, and yeah. There is a, a fairly serious question to be asked vis-a-vis the whole fucking why that wasn't argued, but ah, whatever. Yeah,
1: all right, then. let's move on.
2: Yeah, getting, good. That, getting This getting is actually right, the now. good
1: section, by the way. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> got <laughs> is henry trinder.
2: Yes, fair play to him. He's got injured so often it's been easy to forget how good he is when it's he's fit and firing, but
1: red hot, feet, hands, finish, everything.
2: Yeah, he's a in talent, fair play. What else you got? And, uh what else have I got in good? Uh Damien McKenzie.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like I'm not as in love with him as a lot of other people are. Like I think there's some flaws in his defence and he's a bit small, but fair play to him, with the ball in hand, he does some absolutely ridiculous shit.
1: I do love that the top international team in the world have a couple of small lads doing proper, what you, might, what you might call, you know, proper rugby if you like.
2: Yeah, you know, and that fucking Milner Scudder out the back thing, <laughs> how the fuck Aaron, Aaron Smith didn't make that a try? No, like, pin think. your ears back, son.
1: It's because of that that... Fucking, the drag off that massive fucking tube he's got on top <laughs> of his head, that's what it is. <laughs>
2: I do wonder if that played a part, actually. Looks like a but, uh, failed
1: bake-off technical challenge or something, his head. Um <laughs> What else have we got here? What have I got for good? Will Welsh. Yes. The uh, back row at Newcastle, who, ever since he went on the England B Tour, effectively in the summer, has been outstanding. He's an absolute machine. He works so hard, and he's a very big part of their season, being so good.
2: Yeah, and Newcastle are kind of weirdly good now. I know they, they didn't win at the weekend, but, you know... Would you have expected Newcastle a season ago to go to Exeter and give them a game like they did? Yeah. I don't think you would. Dude, every, time, uh, every time Every time you weird.
1: see Dean Rich has been interviewed after his own, he's being all normal, like a good bloke. You oh, keep getting pissed with, yeah, but
2: But you've you got that? the heart of it. darkness. Yeah. Your it's conscience is clear inside. on that
1: one, is it, Dean? Yes, absolutely. That's literally <laughs> what he said after the Conscious <laughs> clear on that one? Yes, absolutely.
2: <laughs> he doesn't have a conscience. He's no. an ex copper. He was an ex um, copper in the
1: eighties. He would have worked before Pace came in. He'd have just written down whatever he wanted and made people sign it. Allegedly. <laughs> um
2: Yes. Moving on from that before I <laughs> yeah, say something yeah. libelous. Go. Um good. Jamie George. Hooker's scoring hat tricks. I'm not sure about this. It's a bit much, isn't no, it? I mean,
1: a couple of them were just falling over Tommy Waldron. Star, Tommy, no, but Tommy he was stars, excellent. He was, and he continues to be excellent, despite... I was thinking about this at the weekend. Him and Chris Wiles look like mm. they've won a competition to play rugby for the day. <laughs> they don't look <laughs> do, like don't professional... They? Chris Wiles in particular no. looks like he's turned up and somebody said, Yo, do you want a game? You he's like, yeah, he all looks all right. I've like never played this
2: of, sport before. Is it like the NFL? Yeah. yeah.
1: He, he looks like a sort of mid-range regional sales manager. And yet he's this wonderful finisher and stuff. He's even got his hair; yeah. is, is kind of boring. And then Jamie George, brilliant player, looks a lot look like an old mate of mine, but he's a brilliant player, such a good player, but just the wrong shape, looks yeah, a bit he's overweight. Got, he's, he's been cursed wrong. with
2: in the same way that the uh, um, oh South African hooker, whose name I can't, I've forgotten again,
1: Adrian Strauss.
2: Yeah, he's got fat baby face, has not
1: he? He hasn't got. The thing about, what was remark about Adrian Strauss is he had to grow a mullet to cover the massive fat roll on the back of his neck. <laughs> I've got a lot of respect for that.
2: Massively. But you look at Jamie George, and it's like, Jamie George is a fucking athlete.
1: Oh, massively so, yeah.
2: You wouldn't know that from the neck up, would you?
1: He's the perfect example of how BMI is not a good measure for deciding if you're fit or not. <laughs> because his BMI must that... be off the fucking charts. But yeah, he's obviously a complete <laughs> He athlete. is
2: incredible, yeah. And he is... You know, he's rapid. He's an athlete. And, yeah, it doesn't look it.
1: Speaking of rapid athletes whose BMI is completely off the charts, Michael, Welsh boy Mick, got in touch and said, Samson Lee is good for getting his first ever Scarlet's try over the weekend and being absolutely yes. delighted with himself.
2: And, he, in fact, you know, as much as I didn't enjoy that.
1: I can imagine.
2: What? Like, it was great to see how delighted... Because that's probably his first ever... Trying, I don't think he scored for Wales. That's his probably his first, first try,
1: and I don't. In
2: like 101 appearances, plus you know 30 odd caps for Wales, and his first try if, in top-flight rugby.
1: What I loved is how his completely blank countenance—he's like a completely yeah. emotionless like. Momentarily physical, went. Momentarily yeah. went into this massive smile, and he then he he had this kind of like joyous baby face. It was really—it <laughs> it was, was like great. It was unsettling, really
2: if anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was verging on wonderful and then yeah deeply troubling in many ways some
2: people weren't born to smile and he is definitely one of them he's
1: he's not scared of smiling and he's scared of no fucker
2: no fucker at all um
1: what else we got yeah
2: what else have we got for the good um i've kind of i'm just scrolling through twitter now because i've done all of my stuff um
1: Gavin Williams, who's a very, very old friend of the pod. I was at uni with Gav. Hello, Big Gav, from Pool. Big Gav once rescued me from getting a kicking. And I'll forever <laughs> respect him for that. I true can't story. not imagine
2: how you would have got yourself into a situation True story, where... I hit
1: somebody, and then three of his mates come in on me, and I basically did that brilliant thing of just covering my head and hoping it would end soon. <laughs> and then suddenly it stopped, and then I stood up, and Gav said, you all right, Lee? And there were three people on the floor, and he was just stood there. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, what he, he said so, was... a really well-rounded
2: the... individual. Yeah, Oh, he's yeah. great, Gav, yeah.
1: But anyway, hello, Gav, I didn't know you listened, but thank you. And he said, Blood and Mud, good, the Dragons for precisely 40, 40, 43 minutes before the lack of squad became too obvious. And then he says, shit, <laughs> is the Dragons' squad. They just...
2: <laughs> yeah, but fair play to them. They're very entertaining for that first 50 or 60 minutes. It's and a they have got incredible together, injury isn't isn't? list at the moment yeah, as well. It's, it's like...
1: And not enough of the players are good enough to play in that division. That's the truth yeah, of it.
2: Yeah, lately, you know, they signed, they signed someone from Cardiff R- RFC this week. You know, it's like they are scraping barrels left and right, having signed the centre from Bristol the week before. It's desperation stakes here.
1: But it feels a far more joyous place to be, Rodney Parade, this year. Oh, there's i uh, I'm not saying it's actually full of joy, it's just more joyful than last year which is going to be amazing. And Bernard Chapman's great. He's he's interviewed... He's
2: brilliant value, isn't he?
1: He's interviewed in the On The Ball or Off The Ball podcast, an Irish thing, Mm. and he's really just dead straight, dead honest, really good bloke. No, I am
2: fully into him as a I think he's a fantastic coach, and it's... It's just, it feels like they've, they've... For years, the Dragons have just felt like they were just going down, you know? And, like, they were just fading into obscurity. And now it actually feels like things are heading in a direction that's vaguely positive. And Indeed. that must be weird. But good. And as you say, it's totally transformed the atmosphere around the club and around, you know, for all the doom and glooming that was going on when the whole buyout thing was happening. It, it's going well so far. And they've turned Big Gav into a bloody brilliant rugby player again.
1: And who doesn't want that?
2: Yeah. Well, Matt Cunningham on Twitter so good Big Gav, again. And yeah, every week. He you know, he is arguably the form fly off in Wales, which is mad and feels like it's 2007 again.
1: Indeed. What else have we got for good? Craig Halliday said good was Callum Gibbons to so Glasgow. Callum Gibbons, again, for Glasgow. Yeah, he continues got, to be continues very good, be doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Danny Care kick. Everyone's going to get excited and say Danny Care's good again now, and no, no, oh, it dead. has to stop. It really isn't.
2: He's like Danny Care has always been good at that, i.e., improvising and doing the unexpected. Yeah. Like
1: next ten games won't be so good.
2: Yeah, it's all the actual, you know, basic things about being a professional scrum off that he's always struggled with. But you know, if that's what you like, that's what you like.
1: What else have we got that's good? Uh, last one, Bruce McConaughey said, good Glasgow, at least, for trying to make it interesting by playing shit before the inevitable bonus point win. Now, all right, Bruce, calm it down. We've given you some credit. We've given <laughs> yeah, the don't get fucking cocky. Let's, let's calm it down. Let's move yeah. on to shit, shall we? Uh, yeah,
2: this is a lot easier for me. It the Northampton
1: Saints defence for the Hines oh, and terrible. the 12-trees tries.
2: Yeah, George North in Trinder's try was not brilliant either, let's be honest.
1: Very, very poor. But again, uh, just again, symptomatic of the... the inconsistent batshit nightmare that is the, the Viva Premiership. Premiership,
2: decision. yeah. No, nobody's good and nobody's bad. And Northern I don't Irish know anything. Bad, but yeah, but yeah <laughs> the Irish are bad and Worcester are bad actually, yeah.
1: Yeah, that bit's easier. It's the bit at the other end of the table. That's yeah,
2: not... who is good? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anymore. What um, actually you got as shit? Uh, Argentina. Yeah. Zero in the points column and a points difference of a hun- minus 125.
1: Oh, mate.
2: Uh, apparently Mario Ledesma's coming in to coach the Haguares next year and they could really do with a bit of that, couldn't yeah, they?
1: Yeah, I know, so I think this one club thing only sure, works do, if it? the club's playing well. Because mm. if you're not playing well and you're talking about the same players and you're fucked off with them all because it's all going so badly <laughs> and you're sick of, of Creavy <laughs> trying to get you going, then you yeah. go play international rugby with exactly the same group of people.
2: Yeah, it's like, how do you get, get away from any of that when it's both your club team and your international team
1: yeah
2: it's the it's the side of the coin i think nobody they they didn't really consider is what happens if it well
1: everyone assumed it would just all go well forever yeah (laughs) that's just not how it's worked out (laughs) oddly enough we could have told them it won't go well forever because we could tell people that about anything
2: yeah if you if you need anybody to come and say it's not going to go well (laughs) we are right here waiting for you
1: absolutely Uh and also we got this shit.
2: Uh, I have got, for shit, uh, the Kings, speaking of which. Mm. I mean, the dice was loaded against them from the start. Like, they got no money, no players, and they've been playing for 10 months straight. But getting battered by Zebra. Who, oh, who are a
1: different pretty... team this year, to be fair, but still. They
2: are, but still. Like, I mean, as an Ospreys fan, I take some solace in their existence, meaning that we're not actually the shittest team in the Pro to 14. But, yeah, it's they look bad. Like, they're not cut out for this level. They shouldn't be playing at this level. It's not really fair.
1: Speaking of diff- Zebra are a different team, Treviso seem literally a different team because they're, lifted- they're listed as Benetton everywhere now. Have they yeah, had like a sort of instruction weird. come from their central PR office that it must be called Benetton now?
2: Possibly, yeah. I guess it's, it's kind of like they're almost... Because they got bought out in the summer, didn't they, by the IRFU or whatever. Uh, what are the F-I-R-,
1: FIR? not the IRFU. The, no. yeah, not <laughs> it the, that would there. be really weird. <laughs> I know they're
2: playing green, but come on. I know. Um,
1: I know Connor's there, but seriously.
2: Yeah. But um, yeah. It's 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 very odd how both Italian teams, after you know, it's got to be Connor O'Shea's influence, surely. Like, gotta
1: be. Gotta be.
2: He's actually making. Things vaguely sane down there he's now. Kind of like Se- Zebra, both, he's
1: kind of cleared out a lot of the journeymen and just brought a load of sort of a core of Italian players in, hasn't he? And yeah, which is kind of what some, they should have
2: done about ten years ago. He seems really. to be
1: having some bounce, but let's not, you know.
2: Oh, let's not carry. Let's away. not
1: put the mortgage on it. But yeah, it's.
2: What
1: else we got? This shit, you know, then.
2: Uh, I tell you what's shit, and what's related to this is you probably saw that video um, of Marla clearing out the sheds with his cordless Dyson. Yes, um, pretending to which, be humble. Pretending to be humble, which was very funny. And it's a long past time that somebody took the piss out of that because...
1: Oh, that's what... It is screaming to have the piss oh, taken out
2: rugby, of Because right into shit this week is rugby's utter obsession with humility that's been... Exemplified by the frothing fucking wanks that people have been having about players from C J. Standard to fucking the All Blacks or whatever clearing out the sheds and helping grannies across the street and oh I just can't what it is is it's demonstrative humility. Yes. It's not actually being humble. It's appearing to be humble so that you look good yeah. and. Even more annoying than that, which is annoying in itself, is the way that journalists and fans just lap it up and they're posting it across social media with, this is why rugby's the best sport in the world and all this bollock. Fuck off, is it? It's just smug, self-congratulatory shit. Like, if you actually want to do something, you know, you want to clean the sheds out, don't have somebody video you while you're fucking doing it, and then also don't think that just because one of our players has decided to get a fucking broom out that somehow makes all rugby players morally superior to all other sports. I hate it. It winds me up like nobody's business.
1: It's a it's a part of rugby media I don't like. I remember when um, England football got knocked out of the World Cup, whichever mm. or the European Championship. Whichever latest championship they there got you, knocked out. Your of. Pick.
3: <laughs> and gross. England
1: were doing well under Eddie Jones at that point. And the Times mm. had a big piece comparing the earnings between the two starting teams. And the whole insinuation, was it, was that somehow footballers are less deserving than, than, than rugby players. And nobody did anything of that when England got fucking dumped out of their own World Cup the 18 no. months before. There's there's a little, there's, there's a very unsavoury element of certain elements of rugby media that basically, they've still got this kind of Victorian morality thing going on that really kind of gets on my nerves. Don't get me wrong, I think it's good that rugby is a different sport. I played it yeah, for years, football pisses me off at times, and that's always a comparison. But it gets so tiresome, and it's become worse now because of social media, to be able to publish yeah. all of this stuff so quickly. And this whole and this whole thing about values, and yes, it does have different values, but the values can't be that good if you have to fucking keep telling people about it all the time.
2: Yeah, it's that's, that's the thing that annoys me. It's like, why are you so keen to show it off all the time and why are you so keen to put these fucking annoying rugby versus football or whatever memes yeah. It's process. a social media
1: equivalent of clickbait you know, you know if you put it up you're on for about 3,000 retweets minimum Yeah know? but it's just like you're not any
2: better you know our players fucking gouge each other's eyes and fucking elbow them in the face and you know grab each other's <laughs> balls and the ruck and all sorts of other fucking horrible shit it's like just because they can do that and then Yes. Have a beer at I've the end I've attempted
1: to physically maim you in a total shithouse way, but now we've shaken hands and it's all fine. And in a way, well, that's it's good. It's kind in of that is
2: yeah, like but... It's good that they're not like holding on to grudges, but at the same time, it doesn't excuse the other thing.
1: I was about to just don't do it in the first fucking place. Because <laughs> this is not a profit and loss account. That's not how this works. You're supposed no. to just do the right thing.
2: Yeah, you're supposed to just not be a shit. <laughs> and Or if you are going to be a shit, just embrace it. Don't pretend but like you're...
1: I did laugh at the Marla video to bring it back to that.
2: I laughed at it because it was ripe for because somebody taking the piss yeah, out of it, it and I was delighted it was him.
1: What's a bit of the end of Good Morning Vietnam when Robbie Williams is leaving and he says, no, I have to go. They won't even let me take the piss out of Richard Nixon and there's a guy, you know, screaming to have the piss taken out of him. And that's what yeah. this feels like. It's almost exactly. like you're not allowed to have a pop at it when it's screaming, screaming. Yeah. The piousness of it is screaming like to have
2: freaking a... freaking rugby... Like people get really knocked when... People try to prick the inherent pomposity of a lot of rugby. But fuck it, who cares? Like, it's funny. Rugby is incredibly pompous and incredibly in love with itself. And, like, it's a dangerous thing because it, it stops rugby from looking at itself in any way critically. Because mm, it sort of just says, well, you know, we're better than football. Our players are fucking, you know, blameless fucking lambs who also beat the shit out of each other. And it yeah, it's, it's a problem. So fuck yeah, take the piss out of it. It was funny. Good for
1: him. Yeah, and th- that's part of the game. If you can't laugh at yourself, what's the fucking point of being here? Exactly. Jesus. Right. So let's go shit quickly. Uh Phil Lewis got in touch on Twitter. He said shit, the fact that Gatlin's law may be altered instead of scrapping it all admitting it's a bunk run in the first yeah to talk about having it if you had over a certain number of caps and stuff that it's all yeah, nonsense
2: the Australian anyway.
1: model. Just don't it's even bother broken. Yeah, just anyway. leave
2: it be, boys. Just leave it be.
1: O'Sheen got in touch on Twitter at Blood and Muddy. He said, new season, same old ridiculous Pro 14. No TMO because the game wasn't on telly. So that's still going on. We did ask that question, oh, that in way, didn't we? absurd.
2: There is absolutely no way that should happen. Jesus.
1: Um, Ed McCartney got in touch and said, shit was Wasps dicking about with the pointless conversion long enough for the TMO to chip in. Also shit <laughs> is the TMO chipping in. You know how I feel on about this, Ed. Sold.
2: I, I think we've already been there.
1: And then finally, uh, David Mill got in touch on Twitter, and he said, "Shit, is Finn Russell missing the conversion to make it twenty-one from twenty-one? However, good was Finn Russell making the conversion to make it twenty out of twenty. That's not a bad going, is it?"
2: Yeah, bad play to him.
1: Well, right, I think yes. we've reached the Can end. Can we
2: finish on a would you rather that I forgot to say earlier?
1: Let's do that. Let's.
2: Uh, would you rather be a tackling dummy for Eben Etzebeth, hmm. or? Would you rather make eye contact with Alan Wynne-Jones for a full minute after yet another embarrassing Osprey's <laughs> defeat?
1: Oh, it's the tackling. It's the tackling all day. Because the tackling, I might be physically injured. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I would be pierced through to my very soul Oh, you by would. Alan Wynne-Jones staring at me. I would be a glass-eyed shell of a man after that had happened.
2: Yeah, I've, I've I've started to take a weird sort of perverse glee in looking at the sort of footage of after-match press conferences (laughs) with Daniel and James. Because he sort of has the look of a man that literally just wants to flip the table and go mental. But he sort of doesn't look. He's kind of constantly looking off sort of to the middle distance. Because I think he knows if he makes eye contact with anybody, he'll probably go a bit sort of Rage of the Lost Ark, last 10 minutes kind of thing.
1: It's also, um, I get the feeling if he stares at you for long enough, it's like the film Awakenings when the drugs stop working. Yeah, and everyone stops walking around and ends up back in the chair, sort of seized up. You'd you'd be petrified, literally <laughs> petrified, literally
2: petrified, into a sort of weird yeah. Like, and on that note,
1: of, yeah, let's hope you're not literally petrified for the rest of the week, and we'll speak to you next week. And thank Indeed. you very Have much Take
2: care, everybody.
0: Bye. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes. So don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security. And together, this Christmas, we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network.